0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author, educator, and mindfulness expert, Susan Verde. Her new book is I Am Courage, a book of resilience. As we begin to return to offices and schools this fall, author Susan Verde, alongside illustrator Peter H. Reynolds, brings us a triumphant celebration of everyday courage, perseverance, and bouncing back from our setbacks with bravery and optimism, the perfect companion for our present moment for children and grown-ups alike. She points out that staying resilient and having courage includes believing in ourselves, speaking out, trying new things, asking for help, and getting back up no matter how many times we may fall. Grounded in mindfulness and awareness, she reminds us that we can conquer anything in this number one New York bestselling series. Welcome to the show, Susan. Nice to have you on today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's really wonderful to be here. Thank you. That was such a lovely introduction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's all very true. I mean, you've written all these books, New York Times bestselling author. I guess my, you know, my first question, Susan, is what makes your books unique for children? Because they are somewhat different.
1: They are a little bit different in that they don't follow a sort of very um, typical kind of arc of a picture book where you have, you know, an introduction of a problem and then sort of this uh, the problem gets more intense and then there's some kind of resolution. These books. Jump right into um, a more lyrical, sort of poetic way of just getting right to the point. Um, not to say that there is anything wrong with the other ones, and I've written books in that in that structure as well. But I think these are are a unique. This particular series is quite unique because uh, it really gets right to the point, right to the heart. You know, it starts out even the even the title is "I Am." whatever it is, because instantly I wanted the reader to know that they are all of the things that they are going to be reading about. They have all of those tools within themselves already, and it's just a matter of being reminded. Um, So they they follow a little bit of a different structure, and they also kind of tackle these very big concepts and throw out some, you know, uh, more complicated vocabulary that I hope is... um, A jumping-off point for conversation. You know, my hope is that the books don't end just when you close them. I think that makes them a little bit different.
0: Uh, Okay, let's take I Am Courage, obviously. That's a recent book. So uh, you start out with I Am Courage. Who are we talking about when we're talking about kids? Who should be reading this? Or are we not talking just about kids and parents and educators and teachers, all I mean, of us? It's
1: so funny. Yeah, I have this conversation with authors and teachers and parents and people all the time about the you know, the age range. Uh, people always want to know the age range of books. But my feeling about these books and Picture books in general, to be honest, is that they the audience is um, is everyone. You know, I have uh, first of all, it's a lot of times it's the adults that are reading the books to the children, so it's nice if they can get something out of the book. Um, but also, the concepts are so um, big and broad that I feel like at any age you can get something out of it you know when you're smaller you you see the pictures and you really connect with that and you see the images for example in I Am Courage the, the main character is riding a bike so you follow his journey on a bike and how he encounters certain things and how he conjures up this courage and bravery that's within himself but as you get a little bit older you can dig deeper into what it really means to be courageous or what it really means to have resilience and so with each stage of life, there's more to discuss. Um, so I feel like they are for everybody.
0: <laughs> so we, we all bring you know, something some different to the table. Just, to, you know, I'm thinking about you know when you you see a film when you're 20 and then you see the fil- same film when you're 40 and it has a very different meaning to you, depending right, on your own experience. Right, and you're bringing exp- your
1: own life experience yeah, to, that, yeah. to that particular genre or book or whatever you're encountering, that film. You know, you've had more... Um, Trials and tribulations. So you've fallen down more. You've had to dig deeper for your courage. You know. So as you get older, you're you're absolutely right. You're bringing something different, uh, which makes it interesting to reread, to you know, have these discussions and to dig deeper.
0: When. When you read these books or when you've seen others read the books and you get the response, have you had any great surprises where you're thinking, oh, my God, I never thought that that would be the response to I Encourage, uh, Book well, of Resilience? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I'm just always amazed by educators, by teachers, actually. They take these books and they create these incredible projects and have these discussions and engage their students in a way that, you know, even though I, I, I taught kindergarten for many years and I always tried to do that with books to extend the the activity, I just, these things that they come up with and, and the depth of their students, even at such a young age, that always amazes me. Uh, I, I also, uh, when I hear from you know, a college student who sends me an email saying I was feeling very stressed and I read this book and it really resonated. And I find, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea a college student would reach for this book. You know, that is a, is a wonderful surprise. So those are the things that really get me excited and, and surprise me about the, the reactions to the book.
0: Well, I'm not surprised you're writing children's books, as you just said. You taught kindergarten. So you were, and still are, an elementary school teacher, uh, an educator. So this kind of would seem to me follow suit in terms of your experiences, your professional experiences. Uh, when did you start writing the series and, and how did you get into it, I guess is my question. I know if, uh, mindfulness is one of the, you're a, a mindfulness expert. So obviously that is part of what all these Books are about. That's about four different think, questions.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll try to answer all of them. All right. Um, so, I yes, I was a I was a kindergarten teacher for many years, and I think um, you know, I, I don't. I always had I, the lang- when I was teaching. There, you know, right nowadays, there's a very big um, emphasis on social emotional learning, and what at the time that I was teaching, the language for that wasn't there, wasn't in place, but. It was still the attitude, uh, thankfully, of the school where I worked and and my, my classroom. So there was a real focus on the social emotional piece of of kids' lives and how that needed attention in order for them to learn. If that wasn't taken care of, then the learning doesn't happen. Um, Can you so give? A, that,
0: I'm going to stop you because I would give us sure. an example of that because I know growing up, and I have I have three boys. I don't think necessarily they're in their 30s, early 40s. So I don't, that wasn't part of their curriculum, the social emotional, maybe it was just beginning. So how, yeah, it, you know, how, what is it? I mean, what, well, when well, you actually put it in the curriculum, curriculum. Yeah, so it yeah. really
1: is, I mean, it's, it, you can break it down sort of simply in that it's, it's really just focusing on their emotional lives, right? Their, their interactions with each other, um, how they handle adversity, uh, how they solve problems. If you have a child who arrives at school um, either with serious trauma that's happening perhaps at home or has arrived at school after just having an argument or has a – my my son has OCD and he would – he had terrible sensory issues. So getting him dressed for school was kind of a nightmare. And by the time we all arrived, everyone was in tears, right? So yeah. you're not going to be able to, if if you have a curriculum that includes math and reading and, and all of those pieces, if if a child is not feeling able to handle their own emotional state, they're not receptive to learning those other other things. So it's a real focus on... On the on the emotions on, on how to handle them and how to um, manage them talk about them and then be with others in the same context and I think there's a real you know th- the books that are coming out nowadays and the way teachers are approaching their students it's, it's such there's such an emphasis on that piece, piece because they're really recognizing that they can't get to these high test scores and all the things that are required of a district um, if there if the emotional piece isn't isn't being attended to. And that's where the for me mindfulness comes into play because that was something I was doing. For myself, that was my own practice. And what I was seeing in the classroom is that these kids really needed some tools. And this was one that I knew. You know, I knew how to do this. There are others, teachers are, and people are good at other ways of coping and managing emotions. But for me, mindfulness was a really important piece in my life. And I thought it would be a wonderful thing to give to, to children. So after I finished
0: after I, I was going to say that that the uh, it requires uh, some amount or uh, quite a bit of sophistication on the part of the teacher to recognize all of these issues, social emotional issues, and then to address them. And just getting back to twenty, thirty years ago, as I was talking about with my own kids, I think it when it began, I was going through a divorce, and they had a program called Banana Splits, which was for kids yeah, whose parents... I've heard of banana split, yes. Fabulous so program. Fast. And it's kind of like what you're talking about. I mean, at least yeah. maybe it was initially the kids had lunch together. Maybe their parents died or divorced or there was some kind mm-hmm. of split. And they loved it. And, of course, I was always trying to find out what happened and who was getting... <laughs> this is terrible. Right. But, uh, what, and they, a divorce. And the they never would tell me. I, <laughs> I mean, know. Well, really as parents, we
1: needed the banana split, too, actually. Exactly
0: so uh, i so know many, i'm I'm right of, there with you,
1: but yeah. i uh yeah, and I think initially you know there were these little sort of outside programs um and there and that was great, and I think more and more it's now being incorporated into the classroom and it it is it it does take a level of sophistication it takes it takes time um and commitment, but at the same time it The more you practice these things that support the social and emotional piece of your students, the less time you spend, you know, with classroom management issues. So it really balances out. Um, and And these things are really good for the teachers themselves, too, in the context of the classroom to take care of themselves. You know, just teaching kids to take these deep breaths, right, which is a very simple activity. Teachers get to do it, too. You know, teachers get to model that. I, I'm i having a hard time with you guys right now. I need to take three deep breaths. Why don't we all do this together? I mean, something as simple as that. Um, what, you know, if so if they're taking care of themselves and they're modeling that for the students, it it becomes more of a natural way of being in the classroom. Not to say that, you know, teaching is very difficult and very challenging and undervalued and appreciated. So I, I these things are... Are hard work, um, even if they're simple. But Susan, I think how about today more, in the
0: context of COVID? Kids are going back to school. I have a five-year-old grandson going back to school, wearing a mask, always wears a mask, very conscientious yeah. about that. How you talk about stress in kids? This isn't a, another stress. Maybe you call it an environmental stress. They have to go back to school, wear their masks. So does the teacher. How does that fit in? Like you know, I mean, you want to be able to breathe. Deeply to do these kinds of things, but of course, at the same time, there are different kinds of limitations now. There will right, be. There, right.
1: are. there are definitely limitations and fears, and uh, certainly the idea, you know, when I talk about deep breathing and I think about COVID, it kind of gives me a little uh, shake in my body because that's exactly what we don't want to be doing is deeply yeah. breathing on each other. Um, but there are other ways of of helping, of coping. You know, there are things you can do. I I teach both yoga and mindfulness to kids. So there are things you can do with your body. There are ways of grounding yourself just by feeling your feet in your shoes, putting your hand on your forehead. You know, there are other mechanisms through which you can get kids to feel a little safer and more grounded. But I think also this is where books come into play because we're all living through such an anxious unprecedented, terrifying time um, with all of these unknowns that um, thankfully there are so many rich and wonderful books out there that allow conversation, you know, that, that help kids sort of actually be able to name what they're afraid of and then have these conversations. And I think just the talking can provide some, some safety as well for both the teacher and the students.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think the it. teachers today need extra a- additional training considering, uh, I mean, teaching is very, under the best of circumstances, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I am a social know, worker, but I, I mean, could never be a teacher. I think it is such a difficult, uh, it's a whole it's different set difficult. of skills. And
1: I, You know, of course, extra training is always helpful, um, but I think what they really need is extra support. Um, they need to be given, you know, more resources, more time, more opportunities to express what they are concerned about, and then, um, you know, given the chance to 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 find ways to kind of deal with those things. I think I think training is helpful, but if you're getting training without real support, you know, without a, a principal to speak to about your fears and anxieties, without Um, someone who's kind of a buffer between you and parents who might be really anxious about things and you're having to take all of that on, you know, a a little more downtime, um, a little more flexibility in what you can do in your classroom, things like that. I, I think teachers really need right now.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're saying support, support, support. Training is one thing. Yes, we need it, but you can't do it in a context where there's yeah, no support. Yeah, you know,
1: if teachers just feel like they're constantly sitting in some kind of professional development classroom to learn yet another technique to put out there with the children, but they don't feel supported in in their own emotional lives and their own challenges. And, you know, the teachers are balancing their own families and the classrooms, and there's so much um, anxiety around that, and they have to kind of once they walk through the door into the classroom, they have to put all those other personal things aside, and that is that is a challenge. So I think really what they need right now is is more support.
0: Yeah. You know, Susan, as you're talking, I'm thinking also there's this kind of uh, voice that says, "Well, we need to get back to school. Kids have to be back in school, not be at home. Yes, they need all the emotional and and uh, mental and uh, support in school, but." Yeah. And we need to get back to normal. But there is no back to normal. I, I yeah. guess that I, I'd like you to comment on that because that's kind of an unrealistic expectation. It, you know, we ha- it's a new normal. It's different. It's not back to normal. And if you expect that, if one expects that, I think that's a recipe for disaster.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think there um, there is no normal right now. I mean, the normal is just Getting through each day the best you can, um, and I think you're right. I think there can't be that expectation. I don't even like that phrase, really. The new normal. Yeah. Eh, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next week. You know, so it, we can't we can't try to label it as normal. We just have to sort of, um, you know, it's it's a it's a readjustment of our thinking and our behavior. It's kind of it's kind of the ultimate letting go, really. It's just like, okay, this is here we are, but we, we have these tools to get through each moment. You know, it's not so much about, okay, this is how it's going to be forever, so we have to readjust, and this is how it's going to be now, and this is the normal now. No, it's, okay, this is the moment we're in. How do we get through it to the next moment? How do we get through it to the next moment? You know, what, what tools do we have right now? And that's sort of the best we can do. It's kind of the ultimate uh, present moment awareness, if you will, in, in the way that we have to approach the world right now.
0: It it actually is. I mean, that's your book is so uh, the title is so uh, apropos. I am uh, well, I am courage, but a book of resilience and uh, resilience. That word comes up all the time, not just with children but with adults. And we do have to be resilient. Do have to be in the moment, as you're saying, because the moment changes, and there aren't these hard and fast rules that we're used to. This is the way it's going to be. So resilience is key for not just adults but for the kids as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, it's funny because when, typically when you write a book, it's, you've written it a year or so before it actually comes out into the world. So I, when I wrote I Am Courage, I actually had no idea that we would be experiencing a global pandemic and all of these things would be going on. I was just thinking that, you know, we, we, we have these moments in our lives that require courage and to move forward we you know we cultivate resilience and what does that really mean so it was really an exploration and then lo and behold this whole thing happens um and it becomes something that that we actually are really focused on that everyday courage that has been happening over the last year and a half and is continuing to happen that, you know, that resilience, that just kind of, okay, we, we, we can't stop. We have to keep going. So how are we going to do that? Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting, um, and, and strange kind of coincidence.
0: You have three kids, am I right? Three children? Yes. yes. How old are you? How old are your children?
1: I have twin boys who are 17, they're almost 18, and a 16-year-old, um, yeah, Sophia, Sophia, so, Gabe, and Josh.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, very pretty names. I like the names, but, oh, uh, you know, you. so these are teenagers. Yeah, that's yeah. A, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm curious as to how, obviously, they <laughs> responded. They're they're close in age, but different, different personalities, different genders, different sexes, whatever. So, like, your own... Give us kind of a a feel for how they were able to have courage and be resilient.
1: Well, you know, all three of them had very different reactions. Um, and uh, I have one who's in boarding school in Florida of all places. so he's um, so he his school didn't have a remote option, and he I had to send him off. And, you know, just hope that all went well. Uh-huh. Um, and he he actually ended up moving off campus and becoming a day student for the remainder of the year. He lived with um, some family friends who, who were in the area, thankfully. But he, you know, he, he did all right. He, he, um, he sort of, he's a very kind of stoic human, and he just sort of moved forward and did the work and kind of, you know, he had some anxiety about things. But... He was he he was pretty stable, and then I had two at home. One who was doing fully remote learning, and one who was doing um, five days in person. Actually, until you know there was an outbreak, and then things would shut down. And um, Sophia is the one who had the most difficult time. Um, they just completely shut down, and really had a hard time functioning, so I felt like I was back in high school, <laughs> which was very difficult, and I thought, you know, isn't the one perk of being an adult that I don't have to be back in high school, yes. and here I am again, um, and then my, my other son, I, you know, he's a very um, athletic person, and he skateboards a lot, and we have all this equipment in our basement, so he really became sort of a uh that was his go-to. Whenever he felt overwhelmed and stressed and full of anxiety, that was his go-to. But it was a very... It, we were living in a very anxious household because I also suffer from a lot of anxiety. So you know, trying to keep it together with so many unknowns and trying to help everyone navigate school and COVID and having to be the one to say no all the time when they wanted to see their friends or have a little bit of freedom and it wasn't possible. It, it was very challenging. Uh, it's definitely with the vaccines and things like that. It's felt a little bit better, but it's it was very challenging. Yeah, I will tell you, and teenagers, true. you know, with, with little ones, they want to be with you all the time, so as annoying as that might be, sometimes they, they are happy to be in your presence, whereas teenagers, you know, they're not supposed to be at home with their mother 24-7, they are supposed to be out sort of living their strange teenage lives, and that was very challenging.
0: Well, it's very interesting because I, I I guess that I have on the show. I usually ask them that question and I compare it to my situation, which was an intergenerational thing, which my uh, I speak about a lot, a set of twins, three year olds, two year olds actually in the beginning, and a four year old and then my son and daughter in- law. and that was an experience. Oh my Ah, uh, bathed in anxiety as well, <laughs> but at the other yes. end of the <laughs> spectrum, I you guess you had it
1: all. Oh my yeah, goodness! Yeah,
0: very interesting. Um, but that's that's another story. But this is you, huh. you know this is <clears throat> your story. Were you surprised? Were you surprised at any one of the kids? Like you know, you're you're a teacher, you're a writer. This is what you do. You're a yoga ex- experts. So, <clears throat> or did you? Were you kind of able to predict, you know, this is how Sophia would it be? This was how yeah, one of the boys would act? Or, or you
1: know, yeah, based on how what I know about my own children, their their responses felt like the correct, the fitting response for each one of them. Um, I just, the in I think... It was just the the frustration came for me knowing that I you know I, I always want to fix everything right I always want to make it better and here's the solution and this is what we can do and there was really no fix so it was something I I had to learn to kind of ride with and just um, just be there and that that I think was the most challenging. Um, and it's also so hard to watch your own children kind of fall into a, you know, a depression where they, they can't function.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's no clear, this will be over in two weeks, you know, this will pass in another month. There's no timeline. So, and so that, and then that becomes a place of fear, like, is this going to be forever? And how will I help my child feel better within this? Um, so th- that that made it more more challenging, but their yeah. their reactions were were it's, it's pretty
0: fitting. It's pretty fitting. We only have a couple minutes left, but I think oh, that's sure. that that's key. I think what you just mentioned, at the end of this, is the end of our interview. But that we didn't, as as a mother, uh, if trying usually it's there's a goal. This is going to be over, uh, and then we're going to go on from there. And when you don't have that information, it, it's terrify it's really anxiety provoking and everybody yeah. had that actually the whole world had that which makes it yeah. an interesting phenomenon <laughs>
1: I think that was the only comfort to say yeah. that you know we're all in this the together whole we world are is experiencing this right now it's yeah. not
0: just our family so. exactly <sighs> yeah. so a couple minutes left this was a great interview great talking to you but your book oh, and your thanks. series uh, a website and or websites we can go to for more information yes. about yes. you and um, your work you, yeah
1: Yes, thank you for allowing me to share that. Um, so you can go to my website, which is just susanverde.com, it's V-E-R-D-E, um, and there's information about the books and school visits and a place to email if you have questions or thoughts, um, and you can sign up for my newsletter and all of those things. And then you can, I, I am mostly active on Instagram, on social media, so it's just at Susan Verde, um, and Twitter at Susan Verde. So please reach out and follow and, you know, if there's anything I can do to support and help, I'm, I'm here.
0: That's great. Thank you so much. Great having you on the Thank show. You, and Catherine. we'll be waiting Thank for the you next, so much. yeah, waiting for the next book.
1: Yes, it's coming.
0: Good. <laughs> great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Susan. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.